Uh, I want to speak to us. I'm going to follow up a thought from last week. Uh, some of you might not have been here last week, uh, but I'm following up a bit of a thought. And um, last week I spoke on healing. I'm not particularly speaking about that today. I'm speaking a, a much broader. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about lies, authority, and promises today. Lies, authority, and promises. And, uh, and no, I'm not talking about politics, okay? Uh, that is not what I'm talking about. Uh, so where I want to start, basically, I wonder, I'm going to ask you a question. If you've ever gotten one of, quote, unquote, those emails, those emails, I know you will be surprised to read from me, but please, this letter, it's a request, an inheritance. He was, he was uh, with the embassy and uh, this poor lady does not know what to do with, uh, I think it's $2.95 million. Somehow that slide's changed since last service. But the, the, uh, she doesn't know what to do with it. And so she's picked you. Aren't you blessed? She just picked you. Just to drop $2.95 million on uh, for you to administrate it because she knows you've got a heart for widows and orphans. And, uh, and of course it is desperate because she wrote, you'll see the bottom line, she wrote from her hospital bed. Come on, who's ever received that kind of an email? Uh, I'm sure that if you're connected to the net in some way, you have actually seen it. And uh, the fact is, some scammers, that's what we call a scam, and some scammers actually hit the mark. It seems crazy. I mean, to tell you the truth, when you read that email, you'd have to be a scammer yourself to even answer it. Uh, so, but, but some scammers hit their mark on the net, and we know that uh, from credit card ripoffs to people losing their, their whole future investment potential, their retirement funds through shonky investment deals that promise everything and deliver nothing. Uh, identity theft is something that is like a growing market uh, right through to fake romantic connections. People have felt the burn. Because, you know, all of those things, they all operate on a lie. And, you know, for us in human nature, there's almost nothing worse than to be lied to. To, to get sucked in and to realise you've been used. Someone has lied to you and has drawn you in and you've taken the bait and, you know, it doesn't even have to be a scam. We all know the burn of having been lied to. Uh, and we hate being lied to. It's the cause of so much pain. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible would identify that it is the, the root cause, really, of all human pain. Right back, Genesis chapter 3, the creation story and, and then the fall. Chapter 1, chapter 2 of Genesis, the book of beginnings, we have the creation. And then chapter 3, we have the story of the fall of man, where literally the devil came to man and lied, said, has God really said? Cast aspersions, cast doubt on what God had said. And, uh, and so the mankind took the bait and has been paying the pain of believing a lie ever since. And we hate, don't you hate it? Don't you hate being lied to? I could give you some stats on just how much people tend to lie and it would maybe not shock you. I don't know. Um, 
But I think the stats I was reading, some stats I was reading from a reputable university last night, it was like, if you've had a conversation with someone for longer than 30 minutes, it's most likely one of you lied at some point. It's like, wow. No, don't, I'm not talking about that kind of lying today, okay? So you can deal with that later. But here's what I want to point out. Have you ever noticed that a lie relies on agreement? It relies on you agreeing with it. If, if you reject a lie, a lie has absolutely no power whatsoever. You know what I mean? A lie, it's just froth and bubble. It's just more words in the cosmos. Unless you believe it. And, 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 and I could say believing in it, but I want to use this word agreeing with it. When you come in agreement with the lie, then it actually has power. It has it's activated. It becomes active. It has power to destroy. It has power to deceive. It has power to actually, you know, wreck your life, your situation, whatever that might be. It relies on agreement. It relies on your buy-in. You know, you've got to open the email. You've got to click the link. You've got to sign the contract. You've got to choose to go to West Africa to, to receive the 10 million pound inheritance from an English uncle that you never knew. And instead of getting your 10 million pounds, you get your passport and your wallet lifted and a big bump on the head at the same time. But you've got to buy into it for it to actually affect you. Otherwise, it's just delete and it means nothing. Isn't that true? Agreeing with lie gives it authority to work. It gives it authority to deceive. It gives it authority to destroy. So I want to speak to us today about being careful who you agree with. Be careful who you agree with. You know, all of life is about authority. All of our experience of life is, is about who we give authority to, who is in authority. It's all about authority. I mean, all of life is, particularly spiritual life. When you look at scripture, look at the New Testament particularly, it speaks a lot about authority. A Greek word, exousia, which literally means the power to act. The power to act. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 28 verse 18. And, and this is in the context of the Great Commission, the, the commission to the church to go into all the world and make disciples. But the beginning of that commission, before Jesus gets down to the, 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 the what, he actually makes this statement, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to ask us some questions to make sure you're listening, but we'll leave the scripture up there to make it simple. How much authority was given these guys know it really how much authority was given come on indulge me how much authority okay who was it given to jesus. to jesus so who has how much authority jesus. has jesus okay and then he commissions them and sends them out and so the whole thought of that is that Jesus then gives people authority to operate under his authority. This is uh, exactly what we looked at last week. 
Remember we looked at last week how frustrated Jesus got with the disciples in chapter 9 because they could not cast an evil spirit out. They had a, this kid had a, you know, some demonic sort of issue in his life and the, the disciples were struggling. They couldn't seem to bring freedom to this boy and Jesus uses parental language. He scolds them. How much longer will I bear with you? Literally or whatever it was that he said. I better read it. Uh, I haven't got it up there. How long shall I put up with you? That's it. How long shall I put up? How many parents have said that to a kid? And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Why could he be so frustrated? Why could he be so disappointed? If you go back into uh, three chapters before, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had given them authority, particularly to deal with that exact issue. Uh, Several verses later, it records that they returned to Jesus and that they had seen many spirits cast out. They had healed many people as they anointed them with oil. Everything that Jesus told them to do, they had seen. And then three chapters later, it's like they forgot what they were given. Or maybe they'd believed a lie. They seem to have lost their authority. They have it in chapter 6. And then... As the story goes, and a little bit of time passes, Jesus feeds a few thousand people and performs a couple of other miracles, but it would seem after having moved in that power, then they suddenly lost it. And I wonder how often in your life you feel like you've really received something from God and it's in your hand only to lose it a little bit later and you're left thinking, you know, uh, once upon a time I could believe God for this. Once upon a time God was doing this in my life. Once upon a time I was walking in healing or I was walking in freedom and all of a sudden I seem to have lost it again. So all of life's about authority. Jesus has all authority. Authority is given to people. The fact is, the devil has none. If Jesus has it all, how much has the devil got? And this is in step with teaching in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus at the cross disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle literally of the enemies of the soul of mankind he stripped them of their authority stripped them of their power they have none and all authority is his and so if you've ever wondered like how on earth does the devil do things if he's got no authority Uh, well the answer is he's looking for someone to give it to him So when Jesus gave them authority, this is the kind of thing he gave them authority for. Matthew chapter 10, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. And so this is now the mission of the church, not just of the church. That is just a cop-out, a responsibility cop-out. We are the church. This is the mission of the individual Christian is to proclaim the kingdom 
and see God move in such a way through your life that it brings freedom and life and healing wherever you go. That's, that's the proclamation of the kingdom. So when Jesus says proclaim the kingdom, and I'll revisit this thought from last week because we need to get this set in our head. The kingdom of heaven was not somewhere on a cloud playing a harp. That is Renaissance art. That is not the scripture. That is people's interpretations of what things might be. When Jesus spoke about it, he was speaking about the rabbinical concept of Olam Haba. And that is when the shalom peace and prosperity and justice and everything that that Hebrew word for peace, that means so much more than the English word for peace. The English word for peace means an absence of conflict. The Hebrew word means blessing. It means blessing. And so when Jesus says, proclaim the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, proclaim that the reign of God is among you and there is freedom and there is life and there is healing. That is your message. So we've been commissioned to bring freedom, to bring life, to bring healing, to speak these things into the world around us, to bring them, to lay hands on the sick. As I said last week, Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. There's a big difference. We can abdicate our responsibility going, I'll just pray for the sick. No, no, he said heal them. And there's a big authority shift when you can get your head around that thought. We've got to learn to move in this authority, learn to be people who bring heaven, who bring God's reign wherever we go. This is what Jesus prayed. This is the whole heart of him when he taught us how to pray. Thy will be done. Not someday when we die and go to heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've got to learn to move in that heaven bringing authority. And I think we do. I think we do in all kinds of ways. I think when I think about it, you know, those figures from Heart for the House, they don't include all the child sponsorships, you know, pretty well 200 of them every month sponsored in the life of the church. And to tell you the truth, that is a really practical way to bring heaven to earth. When you take on a kid in difficult circumstances, you change the whole life of their family, you get them an education. Wow, that's one way you can bring heaven to earth in a really practical way. But I think it's got to go well beyond that into every classroom, into our universities, into our streets and our neighbourhoods and our, our, uh, our playgroups and into the workplace and on factory floors and wherever we find ourselves in society. Speaking life and hope and healing. Because Jesus has come, things can change. Because Jesus has come, you, you, know, you don't have to live hopeless. You don't have to feel like a rat on a treadmill that just turns around and turns it around and then dies eventually. Which is pretty well where our society has convinced most people to live. As much pleasure as you can, then you die. And we've got a different message. We've got to learn to move in that Authority. Here's 2 Peter 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us. Listen to this. This is a promise about promises. So I'm, I'm entering into the third thought. So we've talked about lies. We've talked about authority. Now I want to talk about promises really, really quick. So 
Grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Christ, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all, how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Listen to this next sentence. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these promises, us living in the promise, you may be partakers, listen to it, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So in the midst of a society that in so many ways is tearing itself apart in the name of pleasure, there is a place where the child of God can move and walk in a supernatural realm anchored in the promises of God and literally transcend the corruption that we see all around us. It is a reality and we're called to minister to it and bring life to it and bring healing to it, but we can actually transcend and live above it through the promises of God. But I tell you what, we don't just need to learn to move in the authority. First, we have to learn to keep it. You know, last week we, we prayed for people, prayed for the sick. And, uh, and just, everyone, just everyone, if you weren't here, you should have been here. You shouldn't have missed church last week. Don't miss a moment, honestly. It was just one of those days where God showed up. From the first note of music, it was just electric. And we knew something was going to happen. And, and people just prayed for their friend. People put their hand up, I need healing. People, the body of Christ, just prayed for each other. And then when I asked, if you know something has shifted, if you know God has touched you physically, put your hand up. And there were hands in both services all over the place. God moved and God touched people. Several people came up to me afterwards and said, this is what's happened in my body. It's amazing. But, uh, you know, I've noticed from experience, if I can just be honest, that how often people tend to receive something like that, that is tangible and very real, one day from God and then a few days later it's like somehow it's disappeared could we be honest today you know have you ever had that experience where it's like I thought God touched me I thought I was believing for this and I I knew something had shifted but now I'm changed you know it might have been even just something as simple as God help me break a habit or a destructive pattern a sin in my life and you know you've got freedom and three days later you're trapped Again, we have to learn how to keep it. I know I learned this this week afresh and why I'm preaching this. This is the whole crux of the message. Because last week I shared out of an amazing experience that I'd had away at a conference three or four weeks ago where my industrial deafness was healed, just supernaturally healed in a meeting where people, again, the body of Christ, just praying for each other. And, And I stood and I got prayer and... It broke and I've been hearing things as clear as a bell. As a matter of fact, in the first service, I went up the back and told them to turn it down. Uh, And they assured me it wasn't really any louder than it normally is. So obviously my hearing is... is... But can I say that I think this week I nearly lost it. God did something genuine. And I had a couple of situations where, you know, if I missed a word in a conversation, the immediate thought was, is my hearing really different? Like, where does that come from? 
Is my hearing really different? I'm not sure it's really different. Maybe it was just the emotion of the moment. Maybe I just, I'm just not really sure. Gee, I hope it's right. I hope, it's, I hope it was real. I've told everyone about it. And then I realised what was going on. It was like I was being invited to agree with a lie so that that lie could then activate and have authority in my life. And so each time it came, it came several times last week, I just stood my ground and, and literally rebuked it. It was like, lie, get the heck out of, out of my face, go annoy someone else, but don't annoy me. And then subsequently, within moments, something else would happen that would confirm that my hearing was still exceptional. It was like all week I'm wrestling with this and I thought, I bet you other people are. People who even put their hand up last week and said, I've received something from God. I bet you some people have felt that attack. Remember, if the devil doesn't have any authority, then what he's looking for is someone to agree with him that he does. In other words, someone who will give their authority to him. If he has no power but the power of a lie, then he's looking for someone to agree with the lie because the moment you get in agreement with the lie, you give the lie authority to operate in your body, in your mind, in your circumstances, whatever it is. This is what spiritual authority is all about. And so this week I I, I had to withstand and then it, it was proven to me again. It's like, that is so, I cannot believe this. This has been an assault, I think, simply because I testified publicly. I hadn't had a doubt before that. For three weeks, I'd just been raving about, this is amazing, this is amazing. Being in a big, noisy environment, can still hear every word people are saying. This is incredible. Yeah. The treble, like the, you know, the symbols this morning, just like, man, we've really got symbols. I, didn't, I wasn't sure we had any before that. But it's amazing how the thief came just like a scammer wanting me to agree with a lie that would have undermined what Jesus had plainly done in my life. I wonder how many of you have promises, things you've received, things that you wanted to receive, things you wanted to move into and you held dear and you believe God spoke to your heart, but over time you've been lied out of. You've You've just agreed with those random thoughts and those random fears, that random anxiety, and it's opened a door for it to actually become operative in your life. As I said, the devil's simply looking for someone to agree with him. If the only power he has is the power of a lie, and the only power that a lie needs is agreement. Can you see the pattern here? And it's exactly the same as the garden. It's exactly the same as all human history. We believe the lie. Our society by and large has believed a lie about relationships, that immorality doesn't matter, that boundaries should not exist. It's believed a lie. And then wondering why things are as desperate as they are when it comes to relationships in a fragmented society. You know what I mean? It's like they're trying to point to everything else except for the one elephant in the room. A society that is determined to experience pleasure, a society that is motivated and driven commercially where the mighty buck rules and justice goes overlooked. So it's, it's never been any different. But for the child of God, it should be. 
for the child of God it should be. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27, Paul says in this simple little verse, nor give place to the devil. Nor give place to the devil. When I think place, I think like, you know, like a place setting. I, I just see a table. It's like Paul is saying, why would you set a place for the devil to sit and eat your food? To sit and eat your promises? To sit and eat your inheritance? Why would you set him a place? And Paul says, don't give place. Don't give him the space. Don't agree with the lie. And, you know, this is not just about healing. I mean, I've used that as a bit of a context. But over the years, I've been amazed that you see people, they get free. They come to Jesus and they get free from guilt and shame and that amazing work that only Jesus can do. Purifies the heart, purifies the conscience. And all of a sudden, the past is in the past and you're a brand new creation. You've turned a page in the book and you started a whole new life. But it's amazing how the deceiver... The accuser of the brethren is one of the devil's names. Comes in and begins to whisper. But you know, God could, could forgive that, he could forgive this, but he's, no, no one could forgive that. No one could. Do you really believe that you're forgiven? Has God really said? Hang on a sec, we're, we're partaking of the divine nature through exceedingly great and precious promises and the devil is saying, has God really said that you can be healed, that you can be free, that you can be empowered, that you have a ministry gift, that you have a future and a hope and a vision and a destiny? Is that really what God wants for you? Maybe for the person next to you, but, but not you. And how often I've seen people surrender their authority to one who has no authority outside of the authority of a lie. Rejection. It's an amazing thing. Scripture says, I think I quoted it last week, but you're accepted in the beloved. What a wonderful promise. You're accepted in the beloved. You're accepted with God's people. Yet how many people, I reckon if you just drew a line around literally this suburb, you'd probably find more people who've actually genuinely put their faith in Jesus who are outside of church than a water in it. And it, it just comes from that, that old rejection voice just keeps knocking, just knocking, just looking for someone to open, looking for someone to agree. And we've all experienced this where we can hear a great message on acceptance in a meeting and it's like, that's it, yeah, that's, yeah, thank you, you've really straightened me out, Lord, you really spoke to my heart. But that, that knock, knock, knock. The next day and the day after and man, if you don't send that thing on its way, you're going to get tempted to agree with it and before you know it, you'll be feeling just as rejected as you ever did. Anxiety and depression. You know, our self-talk, that little voice in our head that we all have, that can be a doorway into the promises of God or it can be a doorway into darkness because there's that fear, what might happen, what has happened, what might be found out, what might never happen is continuously knocking on the door. 
isolation, being alone. I could go on, but 2 Corinthians, Paul says this in the message. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Come on, that's the kingdom. And he says, we didn't fence you in the smallness you feel. Where does it come from? It comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. In other words, you've believed a lie about yourself and about your life and the life of God within you. Jesus said that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. And when it's taken hold, a great tree appears and shelters all birds of the air. And, and Paul's urging them, come on, don't believe the lie that you're small and insignificant. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, Paul says, Beware lest anyone cheat you, deceive you, lie to you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and the way our world remember we started this year with don't let the world squeeze you into its mold don't let anyone deceive you with that not according to Christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power so nothing's really changed you have all authority over your life you have all authority as a spiritual person you have all authority to move into your marketplace and proclaim the kingdom of heaven or you believe a lie and shrink back and at best become a church attender Not living the divine nature, just marking time, sucking air till you die. Even if it's Christian air. But you understand what I mean? Come on, God's got so much more for us. I've got to wrap this up really, really quickly. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you, and these are questions I ask a lot, just I tend to reword them a bit. Because I think a lot of roads lead back to this what's happening between our ears. Are you more familiar with what God's word says about you or what you fear may be true? You know, if, if I had to say to you, make a list of all the promises of God and, uh, and make a list of all the things that you fear in your life and who you might be and who you're not and what people might think, make a list. Which list could you populate the easiest? I dare say most of us would be able to work on, on the fault and failure side a lot easier what are we aware of what are we allowing into our life what are we agreeing with that we should be rejecting are you more likely to agree with how God's word frames your life or with what others think is your self-talk your best friend or your worst enemy what is it in your life what lie have you been tempted to agree with lately you know, I want to just say that stuff because this is where the spiritual rubber meets the road. This, this is how we live our lives, whether we live as, you know, people who attend church occasionally or people who've actually had an encounter with God and understand their authority and are determined to move forward, proclaiming the kingdom, bringing freedom and bringing life and bringing healing wherever we go. That's the model that Jesus has got for us. That's the picture of a New Testament believer, someone who's been redeemed, picked up literally out of the rubbish pit whose life has been changed transformed old things have passed away and now you're empowered to go and put a dent in the universe 
come on, what are you going to believe? What have you been believing? You, you do know I love you, don't you? I'm not. I get excited about preaching this, but I'm not against anyone. But I want to stir our hearts. I want to stir our hearts. Come on, Jesus has given you authority. You've probably got more authority than you realize to live your life free and full. And so I want to pray for us today, if we could. Could we all stand together? All stand together. Father, I thank you for every heart, every life in this place. Uh, And Lord, we all wrestle with this stuff. This is just common to us all. We we all wrestle uh, with fears and doubts and things that get thrown at our mind. We all wrestle with that stuff. But I I thank you, Father, that that you give us authority to overcome. Jesus, you've overcome the world and because you overcame the world, we overcome. The basic principles of this world don't have a hold on us. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Just while we're just here in this moment, you know, if if you just know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Chris. I know... There's areas that I've surrendered. There's areas of promise. There's, there's areas of faith that I've just let go, that I, I, I got argued out of it. I got worn down and I just gave in and I accepted the status quo, not what God had for me, but just what's going on around me. It could be in an area of healing. It could be an area of freedom in your mind. It could be an area of addiction. It could be an area of in, in relationship where you've just settled for second best or not even second best. And you've just got faith in your heart right now just to believe, God, I'm going to grab that promise and I'm going to live out of the divine nature afresh. Come on, why don't you raise your hand up just as I pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for bringing freedom to people. Father, thank you for breaking, Lord, the power of a lie. Father, I thank you for people having a new confession, having a a new sense of faith, a new sense of getting after it, a new sense of pursuing you, a new sense of being the people that you called us all to be. In Jesus' name, bring freedom, bring healing in Jesus' name. If you're here and last week, you know, you thought in the moment, man, I think I've received a healing. And then a couple of days later, you felt like you lost it. Right now is a great time to be believing for it. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. If God touched your body, then believe for it. Believe. I'm a standing testimony to that this week. I had to fight that battle. That's why I'm sharing it with you. Come on, you just reach back out to God and say, I am not letting this go. I'm not letting this go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just while the heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, you know, you might be here and church might be a fairly new thing to you. You know, you might be visiting with us. We have visitors every week at New Hope. And this has been a pretty full-on message. It's a little bit different maybe to where we'd normally go. But these are spiritual realities that every human heart wrestles with, whether they recognize it or not. Um, But if you're here and you've been on a journey and you'd say to me, you know, Chris, I'm at that point of faith. I, I... I want to put my, my life in God's hands. I want to trust Jesus as my saviour this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do that just as we close. So if you're here and you're like, Chris, I recognise spiritual realities like that and I need God in my life. Would you just simply indicate, just simply raise your hand right where you are. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. Then we're all going to pray together. But come on, if that's you, you're like, Chris, I know exactly what you're talking about. I need Jesus in my life. If you've never done that, here's your opportunity. Just as I look around, I won't prolong it. I just want to give people the opportunity 
Just one more moment. If that's you, friend, this is your moment. Fantastic. Let's have a look up at the screen and let's pray this simple prayer together. And if I didn't see your hand or if you didn't even get to the point of raising your hand, but in your heart, you're just like, man, I know I need Jesus. Why don't you uh, express fresh faith with this simple prayer? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go out and let's live out of the truth and the promises and the authority that's been given to us. In Jesus' name. You ready for that this week? Amen. Awesome.